0: Okay. Welcome to From the Valley Podcast, Brisbane Business Life. I'm your host, Tim Wilshire. I do have a special guest with me today. Uh, She does have a bit of a a legal brain amongst other things. Uh, But uh, welcome along, Carrie Payne from Business Depot. Thanks, Tim. Um, Yeah, so Carrie, so you're a bit of a, come from a bit of a legal background, obviously a lawyer now, uh, specialising in the estate planning space but it wasn't always about that. What Whereabouts did you sort of come from in your sort of early life? What did you sort of get up to when you were growing up and that sort of thing?
1: Oh, Tim, listen, I, <laughs> I had quite an interesting journey and it's something that a lot of people raise their eyebrows about because when I finished um, high school, I sort of didn't really know exactly where to go. I, th- I kind of knew I wanted to be a lawyer, but I was a bit of a rat bag at school. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought, well, I wanted to do biology because I love biology and still do to this day. I'm that weirdo that reads... Um, biological uh, cases, that sort of thing at the crack of dawn, Um, and I wanted to do something with my hands to keep me out of mischief. So I went actually into uh, what's called uh, oral health therapy, which is kind of assisting with the dentist, and I don't mean the lady that sits next to a dentist, I mean the lady that does, uh, uh, I shouldn't say lady, could be anyone, Uh, lady that does um, the you know, uh, helping people keep their oral hygiene and also helping children do restorative dentistry, so that sort of thing. So I started doing that and after about four years, I knew then that I was ready to, to jump into legal. Um, Interesting. Yeah. By this time, I was right out bush too. Um, sort of. So you
0: don't come from Brisbane. You, where, Which sort of area do you, where oh, do you
1: come from? I'm from Roma out in Western Queensland. Yeah. Don't hold that against me. No. i cut the other head off a couple of years ago now. So, right. <laughs> But my parents are still out there. I, I love okay. going. Home, it's actually a lovely little place and a really um, interesting place uh, business wise as well. You know, having seen um, how that's developed over the years, my parents have a small business out there. So, um, what
0: type of business did they have?
1: So, my dad um, and mother, dad's the director, obviously, mum's just there putting up with dad being a director. <laughs> um, they uh, hold an interest with a couple of other people in an engineering firm okay. that spans all the way from um, I mean, my father was out uh, at the, the place that's furthest from the sea in Australia, um, Aramanga, wow. and then um, he helps small town councils, that sort of thing. And then they've just opened um, in the last couple of years a place at Redlands uh, soil okay. testing lab. So
0: can't say I've ever been to um, Roma. I've obviously haven't been there for whatever reason. Uh, never been there, but it, people tell me that. Uh, the pub there does a really good steak. Is that
1: right? Pub that well, the place is all just pubs and churches, Tim. So <laughs> they do. I do find out bush. They do do a good steak, and they do it for a price that's not ridiculous either. So um, I think it's a pretty unique lifestyle coming from the country because you you sort of. You've got a community mindset because everybody always knows what everybody's doing, and everybody's always interested in what everybody's doing. Um, you know, if you don't, if you're not involved in the community, there's not much to do. So, um, but then when you come to the city, uh, it's very, very different. So that adapting is, is is important as well. I think we're really lucky where we are at Business Depot because a lot of. Um, the, the people that are in the practice have country ties and okay. go home and, and so they bring a real community value to um, how we operate at Business Depot.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so when you were doing when you were working at the dentist, uh, in, was that back out there or was that in Brisbane? It was in Chinchilla, so, Chinchilla. so yeah. Oh, Chinchilla, but yes. um,
1: I sort of worked a bit in public and private. Mm-hmm. And um, public, you would end up going, you know, to Dolby, to Tara, to Taroom, to, to
0: yep.
1: Wandoo, and everywhere. So, mm-hmm. um, but the last couple of years, I was in Chinchilla mainly. Um, I sort of decided then that, you know, it was time to be a lawyer. I woke up one morning and said, well, that's it. And um, I can remember, uh, you've got to put in your QTAC application still. And um, I couldn't sleep the night that they were coming out. And I I woke up at sort of, you know, feverishly at two, thinking maybe it might be out. Mm -hmm. I got up and there it was. I got in and Mm. I rang Dad. And I think he thought I was having a problem because I was ringing him at 2 a.m. on a weeknight. Yeah. and dad, typical businessman, was like, "Well, why would you do that? You've already got a great job." Yeah. <laughs> so, I think it—it's um, an interesting thing changing between the two. It's a really, um, for me, it's a—it's uh, about passion. Mm. Um, you know, if you if you want to make a lot of money, be in dentistry. Don't be a, don't be a lawyer. Um, but it's not about that. It's about finding what you really enjoy and, and running with it. So.
0: So what sort of got you I guess passionate about you know, estate planning and, and that sort of thing obviously as, a, as an accountant, uh, been doing this for the last 20 years. Um, we, you know, here at CTBS we, we do help provide, our clients provide um, estate planning services. What sort of got you in and that's how we sort of first uh, cross paths as well. Uh, what sort of got you into that aspect of law as, as opposed to all the other different types of law?
1: Well, I kind of, um, I don't really know where the actual initial interest ever came from, but the first elective I ever did was succession. So it was about estate planning, estate um, generally. But I actually, I sort of thought there's been a lot of sort of thinking about where it came from and I don't actually know the answer. I've always been really morbidly interested in um, the process when people pass away. I do know that um, in my family group, there was a really long contested estate battle and I don't know if just being. Mm -hmm. Um, sort of around when that happened, that sort of got me interested. Certainly parents tried to keep us out of it, but it's hard when um, things like that get so intertwined with families. Um, But I'd never looked back once I did that subject. Um, The only other two areas of law I've ever been interested in, um, number one was criminal law. Loved it, but I'm terrible at it. So (laughs) I sort of acknowledge that just because you like it doesn't mean you should do it. Um, And then native title. Um, And native titles, uh, it's something that's quite close to my heart. I did do um, work as a paralegal for a little bit in native title with a non-government organisation. And I think the hardest thing I found um, is that I think it's really difficult for me as a very, very, very white person Mm. Um, in uh, trying to overcome those cultural barriers um, that I think we put up ourselves, but they're there. So I still have a lot of really good ties in that community. Um, I do think that there's a lot of people out there still championing that cause, Um, but turns out what I love and I do just happen to mix together.
0: That's really, really good. Um, So obviously you've had a bit of a journey so far in in estate planning and and, uh, obviously now business depot the last 12 months. Uh, to me, I've I've had a bit of a look at um, Business Depot. You seemed like a really front-friendly bunch of people, uh, g- good to work for, and all that sort of thing, and work very well as a team, and fairly respectful of one another.
1: I think I think we get along too well sometimes, Tim. <laughs> it um, it's it's very strange because my previous practice, um, which where Tim and I actually met. Um, was uh we worked from home and so going from working to home to to working in an office environment um it was just a it was it was a cultural shock for me we also work with a lot of very young people um i don't know how it's transpired that way i think it's because a lot of our directors are actually quite young and um sort of little prodigies for their for their particular field um but I think young people are always so fun. They've got this this energy that you just can't beat. So um, that's sort of been really great for me. Um, I uh, big if, shout if out. You found
0: that sort of innovative as well. They think innovatively. Or... I think
1: so because I think they're always looking for the next challenge. And and yep. to me, I found and I'm sort of one of those between the two generations between Y and X. I'm sort of on that borderline. I think they've got yep. a term zennials or something they call them. Um,
0: End of the X, start of the Y.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's I'm in that cusp. Um, I think that, uh, you know, they, they say a, a, about a lot of millennials, and I think it is so true, is they've got to work for more than just a paycheck. It's about, you know, doing what they love and having purpose behind. And uh, I, what I really love about the team at Business Depot, p- particularly the people behind the p- people and culture part of it, is they're really pushing an agenda of... You know, having a good culture, and that involves everything from, you know, what can we do to make working life easier for you, to, uh, you know, what do you really enjoy, and how can we make that happen, to what can we do for the community. So we're pretty pretty spoiled where we are.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: within legal itself, we're really lucky as well. I think, um, generally speaking, law and Tim, you might say say otherwise, but the more lawyers I meet, the less I like. <laughs> but um, oh, really? <laughs> we have a really good bunch where we are at the moment, and uh, you know, shout out to Cameron Hancock our boss who's uh just for a man that's terrible with being on time and i hope you hear this um absolutely wonderful human being and um he really really always sets out to do the right thing by clients and i getting up out of bed today to say i'm going to work for that man is a delight
0: yeah that's that's very interesting so but 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 it's still a late late sort of is is a trait is
1: it? it's it's actually something i found that um I don't, I'm not picking on Cameron, you know, on his own here because mm. I, I think I saw something on um, LinkedIn actually about yeah. people that run late. Because I hate running late for things. Yes. In my work life, in my mm. personal life, I'm a mess. Tim, I just chill out, whatever else. But yep. um, I saw something that said by someone constantly running late to things mm. and making you wait, mm. it's it's almost an inadvertent way of them saying my time is more precious than yours. Yes and um, I had this discussion with someone and of course they never see it that way because that, that they don't see it the same way but it's, it's the same in dentistry as well you'd have to run on time but people would turn up 10 minutes late for their appointment so I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting concept that I actually want to look more into about how people view time yeah. and how important it is to some and not and to col- others and
0: culturally, I mean I had this conversation with Kevin Ryan last week um, culturally time means a lot, a completely different um, in Asia than it does here like if 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 they're late in if they if they are now late in Asia they're actually early or something you know
1: yeah <laughs> so. yeah yeah it it well like we we my brother's married to a Brazilian and um, when we went over there for the wedding we found out ten o'clock can mean anywhere from ten thirty to twelve and so we say when things are like that it's on Brazil time yeah um you know our family have what I call the pain twenty minutes late for everything um where you know constantly waiting for my dad to do things because he fuddles and what I call fuddling is shuffling around and doing stuff that you could have done so much more efficiently. (laughs) Um, But it's actually – I think it's a really interesting thing for business to think about, the way that people treat time. And that's because uh, – I mean, we talk about it all the time at Business Depot about waste, cutting down on waste. And I don't think that you have to be cracking the whip behind everybody or anything like that. But I think if you spent that two minutes to turn up on time – that's a room full of people that you're not wasting their time as well. Of course, And so I think it it is an interesting thing that that businesses have to battle because you have to battle all the the different personalities and how they treat time. Uh, We're pretty lucky where we are at Mm -hmm. Depot as well because we don't do time billing. Um, as most, most lawyers do, we do fixed pricing. So yep. um, I, I think maybe that's a lawyer thing coming from not wanting, not like liking to be late because it's te- you know six-minute increments, that sort of thing. But mm. it's uh, I, th- I imagine it's something a lot of businesses come to.
0: Um, You're View the Legal. They didn't they didn't do time per cases. They just had um, yeah yeah so, was so just uh, per job or something. Yeah, yeah. So
1: where Tim and I met um, was working with uh, Matthew Burgess and his team at View Legal, and great product. We were saying earlier and um, we desperately miss the family because they're a great little bunch over there and they too do fixed pricing so and Matthew's actually one of those pioneers in the, f- the fixed pricing sort of industry so mm. um, he really breaking down that old school barrier about um, it, it's billable hours So,
0: mm. yeah, we haven't got rid of time sheets yet here unfortunately <laughs> but I guess more and more jobs are, are getting sort of billed and it's more of a trying to work out what it's uh, a way of working at productivity, but it does obviously a bit of admin still in, involved in that process of, you know, recording time and that sort of thing.
1: Well, I think it's actually interesting. I think, cause you guys have been established for such a long time yep. it, when you, cause view legal, when they started, they just started fixed pricing. It's yep. so, it's so easy to start and the same yep. with business depot legal. It's so easy mm. just to start with fixed pricing. Yep. Um, cause we're only, you know, 18 months old. Um, so I think it's actually quite hard to slowly increment it. And anybody that you see on LinkedIn Definitely. that talks about that, it's quite a painful process. So um, I think you've got to you've got to be a hundred percent behind it, and um, it's got to be right for your business model as well, which not all not not everybody is.
0: Yeah, billing up front or all that sort of thing gives you a better idea. Okay, that's the, that's what the job's gonna be worth to us. Mm. Uh, it's probably a, bit, a way of doing it. No matter what, sort of how small to how big, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: as a way of, of looking at it. Um,
1: I found that, I mean, the thing it, it's done for me, other than obviously that some clients really like it, whereas I've actually also found some clients hate it because they just like to know that they've got a constantly running number if they can, so they can ring up at any time and, and say anything. Yep. Um, but for me, other
0: than, then you've got those, you, obviously, we've got some clients that are on, a, on, you know, monthly agreements. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the sometimes they can work out quite well. Sometimes it's trying to keep those in check and, OK, how much, how much time we're we writing off here.
1: Yeah, it's a big balance of, of trying to work that out. And I don't think there's any um, exact science to it other than, you know, what might, might be right for that circumstance. But I found as, um, as a professional working in a fixed price environment that it's actually, um, and again, channeling Matthew Burgess here, it, it teaches you to work smarter and not harder Yep. So, you know, rather than working for six hours, because whether you work for six hours or six minutes, the job is going to be the same price. You have, to find, right. have to find have to find um, efficiencies of time to make sure that you still get a really quality product
0: Exactly, yeah. Um, in a
1: smaller time.
0: Definitely agree with that one. Mm. So, what are some of your hobbies, I guess, uh, Carrie? What else do you get up to outside of, um, you know, working on estate planning?
1: I'm a, I'm a real cat lady, Tim. That's I don't know if I've ever told you this on in our meetings. I'd usually do mention it because it get, gets a bit of a giggle.
0: We do have a few cat lady. I know, I know a few cat lady people, don't we?
1: <laughs> Which I always make a bit of a joke, and a lot of people don't realise that that crazy cat lady from The Simpsons used to be a lawyer. There's a whole episode on it, but okay. um, I think that. Uh, I, I do work with animal rescue, so okay, I'm, yeah. I'm really lucky that I can afford a house. I live in a house and I've um, got uh, some... So, you,
0: do you work with RSPCA or we have, work have for
1: done or? We work for a smaller private rescue because okay. a lot of people don't realise that there's some jobs that, you know, RSPCA just can't take on for whatever reason because they only have so many resources okay. and they don't really have... Uh, the flexibilities because they are such a prominent body, mm. you know, like we can make a dash to a plane in the middle of the night, and they might not be able to do that because they have to organise a volunteer and paperwork mm. and whatever else. So, um, I think I think having both the organ the organisations, the smaller types and the bigger types, work really well together. Yep. Um, so that's, that's sort of one of my main things I do because it's there every time we come in, come home. <laughs> um, I also really enjoy uh, craft stuff. So something a lot of people don't know is I, I cross stitch, um, which I, I think I started because um, I got, when I stopped being in dentistry, I, I missed doing something with my hands. Yeah. And I actually find it incredibly relaxing and mm. de-stressing no, you okay. just put something on the background and you can stab something a million times and you feel better. Yep. Yep. <laughs> definitely. And a um, typical um, lawyer, though, we don't really like being told what to do. I don't really follow a pattern. I just make up my own. Okay. So, so um, I have sort of two or three running at any one time. Um, and I think it, it uh, to me, uh, because law can sometimes be quite stressful and when I was sort of studying and working, it was a bit of an outlet for me and I'd still really enjoy going back to it. Mm. I love movies as well, not quite as much as my brother. Um, if you've got any what type mo- of movies, um, I, I like the ones that uh, that challenge you to think differently about things. Um, Mysteries, or uh, I, I do like a lot of true true crime stuff, which yep. is I told you I love absolutely love pod, podcasts, and ninety mm. percent of my podcasts are to do with crime. Okay, um, but I think that um, you know even ones that aren't necessarily. Uh, uh, they, they, you know they're purely fiction mm-hmm. um, often a lot of your, your, your big directors, your big screenwriters are trying to get a message across to you that is underneath there and I think that mm. that's the ones I like is when you work out oh that's what they're trying to tell me mm. and, and even if it's, it's a different story for each person mm. each person takes away something different yep. I think that's what I like the best is working at what I take away from it
0: mm-hmm. so Excellent, so that's Movies. Yeah, I mean, I like all different types of movies. I mean, I'm, I do like the comedy. I do like the that sort of thing. But I'm, I'm, I guess I'm sort of more sick of the romantic comedies at now. I guess.
1: Oh my goodness. But
0: um, I do like uh, the occasional horror. You know, Halloween's just coming out today. That'd be one to see.
1: Yes. Um, Did you see Hereditary this year, Tim?
0: No, I didn't. No, I don't go to. I don't watch as many movies as a lot of. You know as most people I guess but I do still enjoy the occasional you know the occasional flick or whatever you know at the end of the day it's not not something I'm be gone i guess
1: see i went i'm i'm i te- easily scared this is i'm this is what i'm afraid of is the dark mm. terrified mm. and but i wanted to see it because i like the adrenaline rush that you get from being scared yeah and so um a girlfriend of mine and i went and we went to the blue room cinemas in paddington because they're sort of soft and squishy seats and they give you blankets and they bring you food and we're yeah, sitting sounds there good. and we I, I think we had one eye open the whole time <laughs> and um I, you know, again, another film that made me think, you know, it just turned the way I thought about some things, so... And then there's another one on Netflix at the moment, which is high on my list about a haunted house, and apparently, you know, normally with with horrors, uh, the... The trailer's more scary than the actual thing itself. Yeah. I have it on good authority from two people I trust of their opinion on on video watching and and um, TV and vid- movie in general, mm. and they've said that this is scarier than the trailer show. So,
0: yeah, okay. Um, I guess it's a bit of the discussion I wouldn't have, we did want to talk a little bit about today was um, what I guess your take on the situation in Australia and people that make their wills and uh, and their estate plans. Obviously, enduring powers of attorney. When we've surveyed our clients, you know, there's only a very small percentage that have a really good estate plan in place. It might be less than a quarter, and then there's probably close to 50% that have got something, uh, just a basic will. Um, so there's quite there's just quite a lot of people in Australia that just don't have, you know, the solutions that they really need. And yet you have all these celebrities that that die without wills and you have all these different situations that occur in the states and just a basic will which, you know, and then something happens a few years later and you hear all these stories. Um, tell me, I guess, your take on all, on what's going on out there.
1: It's, uh, it's interesting because you're so right that it's a very small percentage of people, which is odd given that um, the, the increase in estate challenges um, across the nation, I think indeed across the world, because we're going about to go through that. Um, biggest stage of intergeneral intergeneral wealth transfer between, you know, baby boomers and me, my generation. Yep. Um, because we were lucky, both, both generations lucky enough to have super, um, you know, have assets, those sorts of things. So it, it is an odd thing given that those, that those are on the rise. Um, I think to me that if I start maybe from where I think the two biggest motivations come from when people do their estate plan, Uh, The two things I find, number one, are um, going on holiday overseas. People think the plane's going to drop out of the sky and they don't realise that mathematically speaking they're more likely to be hit by a car and have a car accident on the way down to the Gold Coast than they are in a plane. But that's that's one thing. Um, The second one I find is uh, where something has happened to one of their family members, be it um, death or incapacity, um, and they've had to go through that pain of not having... Well, actually, either they've either had to deal with their family not, not having any arrangements, or seen how lucky they were that their family had arrangements. Mm. So those are the two biggest motivators. And um, I, to me, the only thing I can think about, and I'm not a psychologist, but I would be really interested in hearing a psychologist's opinion on it, is that um, it, death is such a, a an abstract construct for most people in a sense that it's so far, or they think it's so far away mm. that I'm, I'm not going to die tomorrow, and yet. You know, it's, it's the only thing that is absolutely certain in life is that you will pass away.
0: Mm. Uh, a problem that we've that come across occasionally when, and as I said, we've done about forty or fifty estate planning jobs here in the last four or five years. Uh, so nearly close to you know ten a year um, here at CTBS it's with the service that we've provided. And um, but a quarter of the time, it's a matter of the client not knowing, not knowing what what what. The, the way they, how they want it. So they don't know, they, you know, whatever advice they get, uh, whether it's from their accountant, their solicitor, or their their trusted inv- advisors, their spouses, um, all of those different things, they still don't have an idea exactly how they want to do um, the wishes and and uh, how they want to do the wills and who they want to be in, in all those particular... Um, Roles. I mean, how do you sort of get past that part avenue with the client? Is there a, is there a technique or is there a way you found that sort of steers the client into making the right decision?
1: So, um, one of the phrases that we used to talk about a lot at um, View Legal, and I still think it's so true, is that um, you sort of try to get people over the 80% line, and what I say by that is, listen, let's do you something up that's 80% correct, because it's something. It's better than nothing, if that makes sense. Someone's walking around with no will, yep. it's better than um, having something that's 80% correct is better than nothing. Yes. Um, the other thing is that I think you've actually got to, a lot of people, um, they just start talking about wills, and, they, and to me, uh, I've found, particularly like in the last 12 months working with a lot of people in small business is you know people think you have to look at the structures and see what they're trying to protect. so what their assets are and I actually found that it's the complete opposite. You have to start with the family. So I had a man we were um, he runs a really big business here in Brisbane and we went to see him and um, some of the advisory team were talking to him about what his assets were and where they wanted them to go and then they asked me my opinion I said can I just stop and ask you some questions about your family and I found out in that that you know one son's heavily involved in the business and so he wants to make sure that that son's you know looked after for the work he's put in yes one son's had an addiction and he wants to make sure he's taken care of so there's I think when you get to those centers of, of who you're trying to provide for and protect, yep. that then just makes everything else so much smoother. So I always suggest to people when they start having that conversation with their family is that the idea behind estate planning is to reduce the white noise for your family. Mm. And the minute you start playing on that, uh, it, t- it sort of comes into fruition a bit better. I mean, I think I totally agree. Uh, sometimes it's a, it's in the too hard basket. Mm. We're pretty lucky. Um, I mean, it doesn't mean you should make your own will, but we're lucky that um, we have access to... Um, uh, you know, you saw last year there was a case about a text message will. I think it was last year or this year. It was um, le-
0: became, I mean, that was legit, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was held to be a will. So <laughs> it is quite flexible what's held to be a will. So people, I sort of suggest if you can put anything down, that's better than nothing. Mm. But, um, you know, the thing about that case, and it's about every case where there's an informal will or no will, is that um, l- a lot of money spent... Going to the lawyers and going yeah. to court, that sort of stuff. So, for something that you invest in, you know, now that should ideally last you five to ten years. Mm. Um, it can save your family a lot of pain financially and emotionally later on.
0: Yeah, definitely. And what it so we have, um, I guess, testamentary trusts are a thing that's in. Yes. I guess when it comes to estate planning uh, in recent times, um, and it it's, it's certainly should be highly considered in in lots of cases, shouldn't it? When, yeah, it, when you're sort of yep. looking at someone's estate plan and what's written in their will.
1: So um, to quote Tara Lukey, who I used to work with, and she's got her own show running down there now and an, an absolute gem on social media, testamentary trusts are so hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so testamentary trusts effectively are setting up a trust structure through your will so that your assets are left inside a trust um if you pass away and then that can be used for asset protection and tax planning purposes and again as we're getting an increase in wealth um, and seeing what happens when you give children a bucket load of money at 18 um, we're seeing that these are a really good vehicle for um uh, you know protecting basically your children from themselves i think um to me there's a lot of things you've got to think about the default position i think should be why don't you use one yeah if that makes sense and um you've got to really think about that though because some of the key things that you have to consider are you know where there's people that are overseas that are just never going to uh get involved in those sorts of things mm-hmm. um and also uh when you're dealing with uh, lower numbers, it would probably cost more to run the testamentary trust than they'd be getting in protection or um, from tax planning.
0: Mm. And obviously, single or multiple, I mean, there's always those options too. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, um, you know, depending on uh, lots of different things, and again, most uh, providers will have a really good um, information sheet on which is is right. There is no right or wrong. It's more so what's um, right for the circumstances. Yeah. What I find the key separator between the two is is what, are, what you know what are your kids doing so if you've got you know three adult children and you've got one who's no kids like me cat lady you know not not ever going to have children probably not ever going to get married sorry mum um and then you've got you know let's say you know your brother who's um ridiculously going mad in the surgery world and he could be sued at any moment that sort of thing he's got six kids whatever else totally different um mm. Uh, risk structures, totally different um, planning structures. So, yeah. um, I think you've got to you've got to look at each of those beneficiaries and say, well, what what would work best, mm. um, you know? And and within that as well is looking at how those kids would work best as well. Like my brother and I probably get along. The only thing we fight about is um, whether um, he's fatter than me or the other way around. <laughs> um, no, but I think that you know some families that you know just can't deal with their siblings when it comes to money. So yeah. that's probably the biggest one. Yeah,
0: no, that's, that's that's very
1: good. Very excellent.
0: Yeah, so Brisbane, what sort of attracted you to Brisbane? What in this part of the world coming from coming from Roma, Chinchilla and into Brisbane? How long have you been in Brisbane and what, what do you think you see yourself long term here now in Brisbane?
1: Yeah, so um, we used to come to Brisbane quite frequently when I was little. We'd get in the car on a Friday afternoon after Dad finished work and drive to Brisbane and we'd go to um Interpilly Shopping Centre on Saturday morning with my grandmother and grandfather. So your
0: grandparent, of... grandmother was here? Or...
1: Yeah, gran- grandparents were here. My dad uh, grew up here for a yep. fair bit. Um, yep. He actually has a really interesting history of where he grew up but um, yep. spent most of his childhood here in Brisbane. Okay. Um, and uh, we'd, you'd be driving on the way to, to Brisbane and you'd get just outside Toowoomba and mum would say, <sighs> big sniff sound and she'd say, smell the shops. <laughs> So, <laughs> Mum and I absolutely love um, the vibrancy of, you know, urbanity. Mm. Um, we love that you could just go around and do anything you wanted to anytime you like. Mm. Um, it's the same now when I go home, though. I breathe in the air and say, "Smell the smell the earth." <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, it's. Um, I think to me, uh, we had family here in Brisbane, so that made it easy to come down. So then, when my parents sent me to boarding school here in Brisbane. Um, it was actually not a scary thing because my grandparents were here my uncle and aunt were here Um, in fact two sets of uncles and aunts were here by then Um, and then went to uni here um, I went out bush for a bit to do work because, um, I, you know, that's that's where work was. And mm-hmm. I actually think that that's the best thing any young pr- practitioner can do is get some bush experience because you just see everything out there. Yeah. But then the reality is, is um, with the law, coming back here to study, it was just so much easier being able to go to the library every Saturday. Mm. So in terms of Brisbane, Brisbane's just an incredible place to live. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, I love going to Melbourne. I um, have travelled in lots of different places around the world, and so know,
0: as an how long have you been here now for?
1: Um, living as an adult, mm. um, probably nearly 10 years. Yep. Um, but then obviously with uni and high school as well, there's yep. probably about 20 years there. Okay. Yeah. So um, I think that it, it is just so livable. You yep. know, I can I could get in a car here and drive here yes. in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and not painful traffic mm-hmm. you just I, I have a train station right near me and I'm at work in 30 minutes um, and I can actually afford to live in my house unlike places in Sydney that are 30 minutes from the city mm. so I think we're, we're really lucky we, I don't think we appreciate how lucky we are here in Brisbane we've got all of that great um livable qualities add to that we've got the weather that mm. a lot of places down south don't have um you know I, I think it's the best place to live otherwise I wouldn't be here
0: exactly yeah, so um, what about, do you, what do you think about how the valley is evolving at the moment? Do you, I mean, uh, do you sort of have a look at that area? Because obviously your work's not too far from there? Is yeah,
1: it? it's sort of – it's actually we're, – we're technically still in the valley. We're in um, James Street there behind um, yep. Harvey's. And um, having only ever worked in the city or from home in Brisbane or like in the, in the gap in the suburbs, um, it's really interesting to me. I really like the valley and, and, I, and I like it because it's the best of both sets of worlds mm. because you're not, you know, that humdrum to the city – big buildings you can't see the sky sort of business Mm. Um, and we you know but it's still close in a sense that it only sort of takes me that time to get to work um we happen to work on a really nice street um Mm -hmm. anybody that's been to james street know how knows how pretty it is um so there's always lots of people walking around um and a lot of the same people so you kind of get a little community of its own down there um i think that the valley's you know, having seen the valley from when I was, say, going out when I was 18 Mm. um, and it was, you know, nobody went out there. My mother thought I was going to die if I went to the valley. It was such a dodgy place. It was,
0: um, yeah definitely a lot more dangerous yeah. you know, 15 years ago than what it is now and, and
1: i um i fashioned myself as a, as a bit of a dancer in in april with for my cousin's birthday we out dancing for her birthday and by 12 o'clock of course i was going home because i'm old um but i was amazed to just see the sheer volume of people now out oh, in the valley on a mm-hmm. weekend and i mean while people might have their own opinions about how appropriate that is or whatever else i actually think you know how safe it mm. must now be compared to as yeah. said, when I was out there doing that. So yeah, I
0: think thirty thousand people in the space of six blocks yeah. is what happens on a Saturday night.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so that I mean that's by night, but by day it's a really it's a really little cultural hub. There's so many different places to eat, to shop, to mm. to see. I mean, the only thing I think we're missing. A lot of in that core valley part is green space, which is
0: hopefully coming.
1: Correct, yeah, yeah, and I think too that's one of the things that you do sell out on when you come in closer. Is you sell out grass mm. for concrete, which is why I live on the outer suburbs, but coming to work for the for the inner part.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely. So, other parts of the world. Have you done have you been much done much travelling in your um,
1: time? I, ha- I have. Um, I sort of. Uh, I'm not really good with travelling with other people, Tim. <laughs> I, uh, I I think... Uh, you have to
0: travel alone.
1: I do, I do. And that um, in itself has its own uh, pitfalls. Um, but the couple of pit, uh, people I have travelled with... Um, i actually choose to travel with my family because then if you hate each other you still have to love each other when you get back (laughs) so i've you know been to japan with my mother my mother is the best in my family to go traveling with let me tell you because she's just super chill i'd go out all night come home at 5 a.m we'd have breakfast together i'd go to bed and she'd go out and then we'd have lunch together and you know it was it was a cycle there in japan um who A woman who can't find her way in Melbourne, which is similar to Brisbane, it's Bourke Street, Little Burke Street, Collins Street, Little, Little Collins Street, Street, that sort of thing. Uh, she got herself around Tokyo all during the day on her own. Yep. Um, so to- Tokyo is probably my favourite city in the world. Uh, the, the, the people are n- next rate in terms of um, how kind they are, how honest they are, how hard-working they are. If I, could, if I could live anywhere else in the world, that'd be it. Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. So, um, absolutely love my experience there and will be going back as, as much as I can in the coming years.
0: Do you speak Japanese at all?
1: Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got the uh, impediment in my family that I do not have uh, a high level of linguistic skills, my brother and his wife. So, my brother speaks three languages and his wife speaks five mm-hmm. and I always say I speak one very poorly that's English so I I, you know I I can read a lot of Latin based languages but I don't have the confidence to try and speak it so and and my brother said you know that's the part that keeps people from speaking he said because you make mistakes all the time so he was sitting there eating something at at a dinner table with his new family in law um and he said "So this this such and such is delicious and he meant to say whatever it was but it came out as a very rude word and the table yep. just erupted in laughter <laughs> and people were spluttering and coughing and everything like that. So, Tokyo is probably my favourite. Um, mm-hmm. uh, love, I loved Berlin. And oh, I've been to Berlin yeah, a couple of years ago. I loved it. Uh, yeah. The
0: wall, the history. Yeah,
1: and um, recently yeah. been to Poland as well. Okay. And uh, anybody that hasn't been there, uh, Krakow is kind of, I reckon... I, that's the up-and-comer I think so okay. uh, a lot of young people there from um, the uh, education facilities um, and I think they've I think they're onto something there so just got to be able to bear the cold <laughs> and I think probably one of the other surprises to me was um, South America so I oh, really? okay. I had never really had a desire to go to South America because I'm probably more interested in sort of more European and um, yeah. Asian cultures
0: definitely
1: um, But I had to go there because my brother got married there. Yes, (laughs) and I've only been to a couple of places there, but um, you know, it's 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 eye opening to see Mm. the differences in culture. Given that you know all people are supposed to come from the same place, Mm. Um, but beautiful, beautiful, beautiful countries. I um, hopefully I'm going to get back to Chile as well. Mm. They've got a really nice wine region down south, apparently. So fingers crossed.
0: You like a good wine.
1: Oh, if if my work were listening, yes. But only, I, I only I, pro, I probably I, I do like wine. I'm not a snob at all. I just know what I like and what I don't like. Um, I, I'm not one of the person that will sit down at home at night and drink a wine. I will only have it when I'm out with friends. Yeah. So,
0: fair enough. Where do you see, I guess, the the future of law in? Where do you think that's going to go in the future? Um, is it going to be? It's always going to be relevant, but it's obviously going to change the way different models change. But where do you see things going? What do you think is going to happen?
1: Um, I think there's a really big shock coming for the legal system and I think we're sort of at the at the, at the front of it where people are realising that you, the, the same process just can't go on. And, you know, you'd hear stories from some people that were... Um, juniors in those bigger law firms and then they end up being partners in the end and they would do things like stay till eight o'clock so that they could eat on the on the client you know if they stayed late they had to then eat that sort of thing and um, everything like that to um, flying down for parties those sorts of things I think that from um, a client perspective people are going to start holding them accountable for that um, and you know, being a bit more transparent in the way that fees are being charged and what is appropriate to charge. Mm. I also think that um, the mentality of, um, you know, the longer you take to do something, the better it is, has to go away. Yep. Um, you know, like a lot of the stuff um, I was really fortunate enough to learn um, with Matthew and his team at View Legal is that, um, you know, you want... You want to find a way to work smarter. You, you find those efficiencies. Put put your money in technology, mm. so that where you spend your effort is with the client, mm. rather than sitting there typing at a computer. Because the client sees value in in being able to deliver a service. So if you can put the technology to deliver the product, mm. then you can focus on that service angle.
0: I mean, do you find with um, with clients that you sort of have, and that that you can sort of forge ongoing sort of. Uh, recurring sort of, you know, conversations work over periods of time with with them at the moment, or are they sort of looking at you, you know, looking at you know, let's do this job and that's all we need, sort of thing.
1: I think um, it depends on where you are working and what you know, what sort of people you are servicing. So, for exactly. example, where yeah. I used to work, it's more transactional at View Legal because they're a wholesale platform. Yep. Um, where I am now, at Business Depot, we are working intimately with family groups and their businesses, and mm-hmm. they don't just have one legal issue they'll have a few things going on because they'll own commercial. Business transactions. Yeah, 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 there'll always be something going on. Um, so I think that, to me, again, focusing on that service because that, that person, you want to take care of them yep. because, you know, they're, they're going to be back again. You want them to have a nice experience. Mm. Um, so I, where we are definitely it's more continued um, rather than transactional.
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay, um, anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Anything, any other stories?
1: No, just get your wills done, people. It's um, There's a lot of cases out there where people don't have one and um, you can do one yourself if you really, really have nothing. Preferably come see my friend Tim or I, but certainly um, get something down in paper, even if it's just a two lines saying give everything to this person. <laughs> automatically yeah. you are going to save your family so much trouble.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I concur. I mean, it's, it's, it's just so important, in my opinion, to have, you know... A, a good sort of estate plan be you know be organised. You know, you, like the the hardest thing that I see with, with with my clients is that when you know someone passes away, not having not knowing where things are, and not knowing where to look, not knowing who to talk to, all of those sort of things, they really you know they take years off people's lives, or they or whatever you however you want to look at it. It's 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 just time that that gets wasted you know in the background whilst whilst you're yeah, hoping that you know things are going to turn out whereas if if you've got a structured plan in place everything you know where everything is you know what's what in the or who's who in the zoo then it just makes the process so much easier i, mean, I just had a client yesterday who came in and you know mo- her mother had died in a car accident um and uh you know had a basic will yes but half the stuff she would know where to look
1: no, it's, it's quite, unless you have that sort of experience, and as I said, that those are the biggest drivers behind people when they have experience with for for their family, um, it's really hard to convince. But, I mean, I have been telling people lately, my mum had a heart attack after, after having a mastectomy um, in August this year. And the week beforehand, I'd made her sign new documents because, you know, you just never know. And um, I think from that flow is a really important thing that you should be having discussions with your family around your arrangements as well because, I mean, when mum had that heart attack, dad was 700 kilometres away and I knew that I wasn't her attorney because I drafted the document. He was, but no one could get a hold of him. So I was there, but, you know, mum and I always talk about it. So I think um, having the conversations with people about, um, you know, what your wishes are always starts that process.
0: Yeah, definitely. Powers of attorney, obviously as important as having a will as well probably more important because that's you know people getting incapacitated it's, it's happening more often these days so and you know, people have to to continue and transactions have to keep uh, not getting held up and that sort of thing we've got to keep living every day so no it's been great thank you very much for coming on uh, the from the valley podcast uh, today carrie it's been been uh, very good to have you on so thank you very much thanks tim you all listeners and uh that's been episode 15 of from the valley podcast thank you